Hey, Power Suiters, we've just released the dates for our 2024 Power Sessions in Christchurch, Wellington, Auckland, Melbourne, and Sydney. We'd love to meet you in person for our month-long transformative leadership program specifically designed for women. Save your spot at powersuit.com. And I burst into tears, and it, I look back at that as one of the most horrific professional moments. She does it with me all the time. She does it with her own <laughs> I way. do. Behind She's, closed doors. We came in here with but her But this was in front of a VP. It was awful. No, and I'm but like, we've all been there. And I mortified. think that's the thing. That lack, you... Kristen lacked control. Welcome to Power Up, a podcast full of insights for women that lead. Hosted by Nat and Kristen from PowerSuit, we're on a mission to amplify your impact as a leader. Join us each week and we'll share with you what's shaping our future from AI to Gen Z. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Welcome everyone to our first ever episode of Power Up, our new podcast. I'm here with Kristen and one of the things that we wanted to get off our chest right at the top is the things we really hate talking about. So we thought we'd just dive right in the deep end and start with something that 60% of us, I hear, don't actually do, and I presume that means we don't actually talk about, which is negotiating. Kristen, do you negotiate? No, I am a terrible negotiator, I'm, although I'm learning and practicing negotiation, but I have to say I wish I'd had this conversation in my 20s. I feel like I lost out in a really big way through my career and, you know, my financial future. I've lost out on hundreds of thousands of dollars. In fact, research, Nat, shows that in your 20s and getting that first job or whatever that when you when you switch jobs, that first salary that you get dictates because it's on a bit of a step, you know, you get on a step and that first one can dictate the difference between half a million and a million dollars at the end of your career, which is crazy. That is crazy. And I think on a small scale, it starts every time you land a new job, right? That the level you negotiate at the start, the level you start on dictates the foundation, the first step you start on to climb. And I think a lot of women tend to fall for the philosophy of, oh, I'll just prove myself. And once I've proved myself, they'll give me a pay rise. Yeah. But you've already started on the back foot. So you've already sacrificed there. So I think it's a really important topic. Funnily enough, I am I feel like I'm quite a good negotiator usually out of necessity because I always had to negotiate. Most people negotiate one job and then you wait till the next pay cycle. But because I've always been a freelancer and a contractor, I'm negotiating multiple times a year so I think you just get used to that being a normal part of the process but what I found recently and I suppose we're both in the same position is there's another type of negotiating that I'm very bad at which is when people don't even talk about money at all and you have to raise it so when when we're asked to speak at things or all these things that you end up accidentally going wait did I just give away my time for free and my energy for free and starting to figure out how to raise those conversations and be like, oh, um, actually, this is, it's, it's very awkward. I agree. And do you know what? The one great thing we should, we should point out is that it's not always 
we think we should think about it as a package. And to your point of the speaking thing, let's say, for example, the organization that wants us to come and have a chat can't doesn't have a budget for speaking, but they might have a travel budget or they might be able to promote power suit. And so I think just like when you're approaching in your career, a salary negotiation, look at the entire package, because if they're capped at a certain monetary amount, you know, there could be other things like holiday or flexible work. There's all sorts of things that you can think about. What's the whole picture of what I need here, where I feel valued and there's a really fair exchange of services. So we should think about that as we as we go along too. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that came through really loud and clear when I was speaking to an incredible man, Steve York, about negotiating. And surprisingly, he's a hostage negotiator, <laughs> that he wasn't super fixated on winning. His thing was actually having a really clear idea of what you want out of something when you're negotiating and making sure you get that and money is one tool but there is flexibility there's extra holidays but going in mindfully with prep on who what you want out of it you're not sitting there like a sitting duck kind of going I don't know whatever they'll give me I'll take you're actually taking control which is something we're both a big fan of yeah and I I know that at the end of the day both parties on either side of the table, the workplace and yourself, have to come out happy because at, if you're feeling undervalued, that is a really bad situation for your any employer because you're not going to give your best work. You're going to dis. You're not going to feel engaged. You're going to get jaded. You're going to be looking for work elsewhere. I think while I, you know, there's no, there's not this like zero sum game. If someone wins, someone loses. But what is this kind of win win where we can both feel I'm providing you with the services. I'm feeling valued. And that sort of feels like the ultimate in negotiation. I, I looked up the definition and there's a, I can't remember it exactly, but I really like the idea of it's the art of building relationships mm. and getting someone else to want to give you what you want. And and I feel like there's something in that, but what I sense, and this is just based on chatting to a whole bunch of people I know, yeah. is we get way too emotional about negotiating. Oh my goodness. And women do. Which, yeah, absolutely. And why? Up against why someone, do you think? Well, I think because we take our whole selves into it, right? Like this oh, is a yeah. this is a real measurable indication of how much value we add to the world. Yeah. But it's actually not because we've been on the other side of it as well, where you're negotiating pay with people who you're employing. And yes, there's an element of emotion from that side because if you have really been brought into someone mm. and you think this is the perfect person, they're the perfect fit, you've brought in emotionally. But actually, from the businesses or the organization's perspective, it's actually not. It's more practicalities. It's like we've got this budget, we've got this expectation for the role. They're not there. So you're going emotion versus total pragmatism, which yeah, is um, the wrong way to go about it. But women do tie, we, we tie all this emotion up to it. And it's our sense of worth, isn't it? And I think as society, you know, that's what we've done is just like, what do you do? And how much, how much, you, and we pl- place kind of this hierarchy of people based on pay. But I know that a lot of employers have these salary bans and you can, you know, there is negotiation. And, um, you know, from studies have shown that across a number of multinationals that implement these bans, which are probably more, I don't know, you could argue maybe a little bit more fair because you kind of know where you're at and you're not going to have these massive swings. But studies have shown that women don't ask and uh, and so they just leave jobs. And so instead of kind of asking within that band and, and getting to the top, which is in within the budget, the men are asking for it, they're getting it, and the women aren't. I suspect that holds true for 
you know, bans or no bans, but it's just so interesting. The money is on the table and they're not asking for it. Yeah. And in that situation, it really is. And I had an example recently with someone who was going up for a promotion alongside two other people. So there'd be three people sitting at the same level. And she'd already talked herself into all the reasons why she didn't deserve to be at the same level as of the band as they were. And I was like, why not? Can you actually list out all the things that they're doing that you're not doing? And they were very small things. And I, and I had to explain them getting what they want. Doesn't, that's not impacted at all by you also getting what you want. Like you're not taking money off there yeah, yeah, and exactly. you're not disrespecting it's them. There. It's and there. It's there in the band. It's there. Yeah. And and you, there is no, and I think that's the other side of the emotion is the respect for the people we're around and we're comparing people. And I've always remember because, you, you know, you see in your career a bunch of really good negotiators. I think we've both seen a bunch of really good negotiators. And there is, yes, a correlation between the value you add and mm. your job, but there's also a bigger correlation often between how good a negotiator you are and how much money you get yeah. which is ridiculous yeah. when you think you are working potentially two years at a job and the amount you get paid hinges on this one conversation and I bet I bet your friend actually had and I'm just guessing did they look at the hard skills of this role did they look at years of experience because I would wager that as you know women tend to be really great in what we don't like to say is soft skills but we call them core skills and these are these interpersonal things and we form great relationships with colleagues we encourage people we take them out for coffee and there's all this like hidden stuff that we do that forms part of culture in an organization, which is worth something. So yeah, it's so interesting that we discount, you know, some, some of this, uh, all the other superpowers that we can bring and provide value to an organization. Absolutely. And I think there is a gender element to it. I, I, we, I feel like we've not, we haven't been slamming women, but women have, we do tend to get emotional. We do tend to not negotiate as much as men, but I actually think there is a reason for that. There's probably a million reasons for that, mm. but there is a gender element in how you negotiate. And I don't think either of us has cracked it yet, but that concept of while a man might appear assertive, a woman can appear aggressive. Yeah. And so I think what's happened is it feels like the models that we see often of negotiating are people that we can't embody. We can't use the same tactic as our fathers or our husbands or the men around us. So I think this is why this is a really important conversation because we don't have it enough and we don't have enough showcases of how women successfully negotiate. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about and jump into some tips. Now, why don't you introduce, we've kind of got three tips and that was, you know, really helped by um, Stu, Stu Van Riggs, uh, He's a negotiating coach as well. And we thought we would kind of form this convo by chatting about them. So do you want to introduce them? Sure. Should I introduce the first one or all three? Do all three and then let's crack into the first one. Okay. So we've got the first one, the three C's. Love it. Confidence. The second one is clarity. And the third one is control. I love it. And these are characteristics that anyone can use to enter in to negotiation and, and particularly with a pay rise, so as it relates. So shall we start with confidence? What What's this all about? I mean, to start, do it. I think have the confidence to actually do it, yes. which is a decision that you have to make. Love it. Um, for me, the biggest, what I learned from this hostage negotiator, Steve York, the biggest thing is having a plan B. And that is what mm. gives you that confidence. By being able to say, if I walk away from this, I have another plan that I am happy with. Not just another plan like I will 
um, I will go back to my job being miserable. You actually go, no, I am comfortable walking away from this if I don't get what I want Mm. because I have an equally good other option or one that I'm happy with. And there's something about that that changes it from I'm desperate to have this thing, all my hopes are pinned on it, so I'm happy to compromise a lot to I'm actually in control of this. And if I don't, I know where I'm willing to compromise. I know where I'm not. And I have the confidence to go in and negotiate. That might be the key also to separating kind of this personal and professional, like to be able to say, yeah, I, I like that. That puts you, well, it puts you in a really strong position, isn't it? When you've yeah. got it. And that could be even a plan, like a six month plan of develop, like getting a plan out of that conversation to here are the two things you hit until we can, and then we can discuss this again and getting some real clarity around that. So I, I like the plan B, which isn't always like necessarily leaving, but it could be that I feel in control of my career and here's all sorts of options on the table, including developing. And how are they going to support that? That could be part of the negotiation. Yes. You know, I might have fallen short in something. What, how are you going to invest in me so that I can bring my best self to work, I think. And I think sense. we had a really great conversation with someone the other day about something slightly different, but I think it really relates here about if you were an employer and someone comes to you and says, I really want this job. And you say, nope, you don't have X, Y, and Z skills. And they go away and learn those skills and come back in a year and say, come on, I've done this now. And you yeah. turn them away again. The third time, you're not going to turn them away. And I think you can apply that here. And if you are negotiating pay, and you get right to the end, you've got your plan B, they're not going to budge, you're happy to accept it, get very clear feedback on what the things are that are stopping you getting up to that next level, and work on them, make a note of them, work on them, and next time you, and when you've achieved them, that's, I mean, don't even wait till the next pay cycle, that's the time to go back and say, you know how you didn't want to pay me because of this, I've got it now. Yeah, that's So it's really being clear on what are your gaps and getting them to specify them and then working on them. Yeah, and the confidence thing comes when you know your value. And I think that's something I have always struggled with that. I've had to ask other people, like, what do you think I bring to the table? And, and, you know, part of it is I can look back and be like, what did I really, what do I really love in my work, in my past roles? And how did I sell myself when I get, got the job, for example? But also, I find I do have to ask other people, like, what are my strengths? And I think knowing your, um, knowing your superpowers, as we call them, or knowing what you can bring to the table, and your value to the organization is part of that confidence, isn't it? Because you walk in saying, I know exactly how I can move the needle for this organization. Great, Kristen. What are the things you bring to an organization? Well, <laughs> I, I did this little test because I was like, I don't know, because I think we were talking about, it was at the, we went and spent a weekend at your holiday home and we were chatting about our personal, was it like our personal brands or yeah. something like that? Yeah. So then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really struggling with who I am. So I went and did a test online and one of them was a storytelling So, and that is a superpower of mine and that brings people along the journey that can be in a PR sense or it can be, you know, bringing, making staff feel really engaged and bringing people along a big vision, North Star vision. So storytelling was one of them. Leading was another, leading with clarity. And then I've already forgotten the last one, but I was like, yeah, I am good at those things. Oh, and executing. Uh, that that kind of came out in that online test. So there you I go. I love it. And of course, you'd be planning to tie them to a job yes, if you're going for a that's, job. Yes, that's the value piece, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think? But it's, yeah. Well, I just think it's really nice to have those in your back pocket. Like I think 
that concept in um, startup world of an elevator pitch of what's your 60 seconds of your business that explains yep. the elevate uh, explains what value you bring yes I think everyone should have one for themselves and I'm saying that knowing you're about to ask me and I can't remember mine um <laughs> it's been a while um but knowing that in any situation because no one really enjoys even in a social situation being like what do you do uh, it's quite nice to have yeah. a bit of a zappy so having that and then having in your back pocket the three to five biggest uniquest things you bring yeah and then of course you tailor them to um you when you go in for a negotiation you should understand what the organization values yeah. and what they need out of it and what problems specifically they're trying to solve with you it's a lot of prep actually and yeah. I think that's something I'm just about to give a talk at UXNZ and one of the things people say is people don't prep enough for the talks that they give and I think it's probably the same with negotiating yes it's like a what five minute conversation often yeah. but it might be five hours of prep beforehand like actually set aside a day yeah, well, that's and get that, really clear that's that strategic piece that we've talked about right like when someone comes into an interview and you ask them um you know why us but also why you um or or why a raise now it's 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 that like oh well I've been here for a long I've done this role now for a year I've you know as opposed to like I know this organization needs to go from this to this and let me tell you about how I can help. And we've always used that move the needle term, which I dropped earlier, but that, that really is what we're trying to do, isn't it? I love that example because that is so some of the, let's list off some of the most common things we hear. Um, Yes, it is. I've been doing this for a while. Um, The other one that is my pet peeve is, oh, well, I've just bought a house or I wanted this, or I've got this expense in my life and I need a pay rise. And you're sitting there on the other side of the table going, Again, why is this my problem? I know, and it's it's just mixed signals, isn't it? So if you can leave all that stuff out, because those are realities, aren't aren't they? They're realities of life, but I think it's the, how can I supercharge what this organization's doing? Specifically, how can I do that? And that you come in with confidence with that in addition to the plan B, which I think is great. Yeah, I love that. And I I remember years ago, I um, spoke to a founder of a company who said he was never afraid of any questions, which is part of confidence especially Mm. when you're fronting the Mm -hmm. media or if you're in a job interview and I asked why and he said because he always knows he's the most prepared in the room and he knows the topic more than anyone else so there's nothing anyone can ask him that he's not ready to answer and I think if you think about a job interview like that and a negotiation like that you know the value they need and not necessarily just what you've read on the website or what they've told you you're picking up on all these cues as well as you're going through the interview process Um, and you've also pulled out of your back pocket the value you bring and I just love that as a line this is what you guys need this is the problems you're trying to solve and let me tell you how I'm going to solve them I feel like that's a really nice line for everyone to just write down and have the next time you go into negotiation love it let's do that's wonderful what about clarity um that this was this was kind of this concept of baggage what what's that like what in your words how would you explain it so I, I've written down self-fulfilling prophecy, and oh. I think that's um, and the what comes to mind when I think about clarity is everyone probably knows a few pessimists around them who go through the world thinking kind of everyone's against them or things never work out. And what tends to happen is they approach those situations in a way that makes it not turn out. They'll approach a, a group and assume that the group doesn't like them. So they sort of behave slightly defensively. And of course, that's not very likable. So no one yeah. likes them. And therefore, yeah. they have proven that everyone's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's probably the same in this. You, When you go into a job interview, I, I call it professional baggage now. We've got so much baggage on the situations we've been in. I've just been listening 
listening to um, Malcolm Gladwell's audiobook talking to strangers and the concept of the more information we have often the less useful we are Um, and this idea of like all these little bits of information we've pulled together over our years probably makes us less good at being able to judge a situation so we go in we've got all these ideas and preconceived notions about what we're walking into and we're not going in open-minded and optimistic and ready to see what happens we're going in with a very clear plan that is never going to work out because there's so many unknown factors involved and it's such an emotional money is so emotional because you probably genuinely feel you deserve it which is why you're there in the first place but it's so tied up in emotion so this concept of clarity is like just everything leave it at the door except for your confidence and all of your prep and you walk in and at that point it's this real sense of open dialogue and yeah whatever relationship you have with your manager that whatever that looks like you've just got to go in there fresh 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 clean slate and I like the prep for this because it removes the emotion from it and I remember my mum telling me a story years ago Mm. she was working at a power board way back in the day and she remembers the day I think it was equal pay for women came in or something and so she went from earning half as much as the person sitting beside her to the same amount but he was a family man he had children and she didn't and she felt so bad about earning the same amount as this person she didn't think she deserved it again, because of his situation, not his skills, not his experience, his situation. And your point before that often you go in thinking you deserve it. I actually wonder if that's even true, because I think a lot of people don't do that prep to recognize they do deserve it. Well, and your job in the meeting as part of clarity is to put yourself, get yourself into the other person's shoes and have that really open dialogue of that's that ability to see into their world if you've come in with your windscreen with all of these feelings and emotions and you know I'm feeling not it's not fair because the person next to me is making 20,000 more you can't see into their world so then how do you have this back and forth exchange and I yeah it's funny you say windscreen because it just reminded me of the car driving test analogy of the best way to pass the driver's test is to go in thinking I'm going to give this tester the absolute smoothest best car ride of their lives (laughs) and I think that really equates to negotiation as well and I don't want to keep flipping back to confidence but one of the things is when you don't have confidence you kind of become a bit selfish you spend the whole time coming at it from a me point of view of how am I going to prove myself how am I going to do this I'm not worthy I don't have this whereas if you come in with that clarity and your clarity is how am I going to show this person across from me the best understanding of what they need and how I'm going to solve it. Yet that, that's that, you go from self-absorbed, me, 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 how am I going to like pay my this and what do, do they think of me? And... How am I coming across? Yes. Nailed it. Love yeah. It. So I Love think, it. um, and the, and my little tip on that, which is something we added to our newsletter a few weeks ago is the self-talk thing before you go in. I think the best tip for, um, clarity before a negotiation, and it sounds probably a bit weird, but I have tried it. Mm. Stand in front of the mirror and talk to yourself in the third person, not in the like first person. Yes, because okay. think about how you talk. Like, imagine yourself as your best friend going yeah. in. What would you say to them? You've got this. You've nailed it. They're gonna love you. When yeah. you talk to yourself, you're usually like, "I'm a bit terrible. I'm a bit nervous. Mm. I've just spewed three times. I'm so freaked out." I don't need to know any of that. Talk to yourself like your best coach and you'll walk in with that clarity and that confidence. Love it. Okay. Control our third C. How, how, what, 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 what? 
What's this all about? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in this, uh, this for me, and I, I will go throw back to you because um, mm-hmm. I think you might have a few more points on it, but control is actually the act of taking control. What are the elements that you can control in the mm-hmm. room? Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can't. You can't control if they just had a fight with their partner or if they had crammed you in with a thousand other interviews. You can't control that, but there are things you can control. Um, so firstly, I think we've already talked about it, but do it on day one. You can control the way you're perceived on the way you walk into an organization. Um, and even if you are now in an organization and you're looking for a pay rise, um, control as much as you can up front. Set yourself up on day one to make that happen. Mm. Um, the second one I really liked, again from Steve York, hostage negotiator extraordinaire, <laughs> is don't face the window. That's a superpower. That's a good thing. Oh, don't face the window. Don't okay. face the window oh. because part of control is picking up on the person opposite you body you language you're blinded. and if you can't see them clearly you're not picking up on those tiny little micro expressions okay. and the way they're leaning back and those little moments and I think we've all seen it when you say something and someone subtly leans forward or changes their expression and you go that's the ticket that's yeah, what they're yeah, interested yeah. in you yes. want to be able to control that and get all that information in the room love it I think um, self-regulation is probably key here. I think it's a tense and emotional situation. It's supercharged. You've done all the right things. You're feeling confident. You've wiped the slate clean. You've gone in with, um, you know, you've got these open chats going back and forth. Um, I think the control thing is there's always going to be points where things start to get a bit tense because, you know, all of a sudden you find out they don't believe that, um, you know, you are of as much value as you thought. And it's rather than going into that spiral, the self-control is about all of a sudden slowing down the room a little bit. Um, you know, you can talk a little bit lower, you can talk slower. And I know Richie McCaw, who's his um, best, you know, the goat of all black uh, New Zealand rugby of all time. Um, he has used this kind of low and slow and you don't use it all the time or people are going to think you're really weird, but it brings, it brings your heartbeat down. It brings the emotion down. And then the question you ask in your head is what is it that they don't see? It's not a foregone conclusion, but it's great questions as well. What is it that they don't see? And then you can attack that. But it's this kind of self-regulation rather than starting to panic and starting to get emotional. It's, you know, breathing, it's sitting back, it's taking a moment, self-regulating your behavior, which protects you because the last thing you want to do, which I did in a job one time, I didn't get my way. I pitched this big thing. I was very young and I'm still embarrassed. I like burst into tears and had to leave the room. I, I was negotiating a thing. I'd done this thing and I was wanting my way and I didn't get my way and I burst into tears and it, I look back at that as one of the most horrific professional moments. She does it with me all the time. She does it with her own <laughs> I do. Behind She's, closed doors. We came in here with but her But this was tears. in front of a VP. It was awful. No, and I'm like, but we've all been there. And I mortified. think that's the thing. That you, la- Kristen lacked control. But I feel like that's the thing going back to clarity that you have to, that's the baggage you can take into those oh, situations, gosh. right? So you have to put it behind you and go, yeah. Ugh, I was young and, and have empathy for your younger self or uh, for yourself yesterday. But I think there's a but real... I just gone okay what is it they don't know because I'm like this was the best thing ever I was pitching to them so instead <laughs> of going 
take the breath, sit back in my chair, exhibit confidence. I was like, went, you know, to mock 100. It was dire. I love it. I can't believe anyone ever said no to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that's quite an interesting one because that fight, flight, freeze reflex, apparently our brains or whatever it is, our lizard brains can't actually tell the difference between physical and emotional threats because it was sort of a very age old mechanism. So what tends to happen in these situations Mm. that are high stress is our brain clicks into that, which means you've lost control. You've absolutely lost the ability to make logical choices. So I think that's a really, really underutilized tactic. Lean back, take a couple of deep breaths. One of the things um, a friend of mine told me about if, if you're having a panic attack is sort of name three yellow things in the room just switch your brain from whatever it is in um in front of you Mm. and saying that don't do what I did once and in the I was in the middle of a panel on stage and I (laughs) I was in a right state and there was a lot of things happening in my life at the time and I totally did not listen to the question I was too busy trying to calm myself down so I was looking out the window I was looking around and then it was like and Nat what do you think I've done I've done that in a board meeting, by the way. And I was like, hmm, well, that's a great question. <laughs> Why don't we open it to the room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what you do in those situations. I, said, I, think, I, went, I think I see many challenges here. And they're like, what challenges? How would you answer it? <laughs> yeah. What do you think? But no, I think but, we've but, all been there as well. Yeah. And I think actually I've, um, I've been interviews on the other side where someone said, I'm sorry, could you just repeat yeah, the question? Good. I'm nervous. And there's nothing wrong there's with nothing saying wrong that. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, actually, mm. people recognize, well, there's a couple of things that I've learned recently because you do, I mean, all of us have lost out on jobs, mm. lost out on promotions, and it's gut-wrenching. But one of the best things I've heard is if they don't think you're the right person for the job and you've done everything to represent yourself, then actually short-term pain, long-term gain because they're not the right place. And I think what I found when I've interviewed people, people who say that, who say, I'm just a bit nervous – I don't want to hire people who are the best interviewers. I want to hire people who are the best at their jobs. So someone who is able to be vulnerable and to recognize that, oh, I've just tipped over a line. Can I take a minute? Yes. Absolutely. You're like, oh, great. I now recognize that what you've done is purely because you're feeling a bit freaked out. I feel like that's a perfectly rational response to a situation like this. So it's okay to take that pause. Well, and another one, a tip from Stu was go in armed with questions. So if you're starting to feel like things are um, going awry or you're kind of losing the plot a little bit, starting with a great question or if things don't aren't quite, you know, tensions rising, you could say, tell me about the biggest challenge to the business this year. That might be one of the questions you're armed with and then, and then shut up and then just shut up because that will give you, that puts the spotlight back on them. They're now back into what is it their world needs and it gives you a minute. And if you're just shutting up, then it gives you a minute to kind of recoup a little bit and, and listen. And then you can. <laughs> or not, if you, so, if you can't. <laughs> but it resets a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It could, it's, you're probably down a weird rabbit hole and it's gotten all messed up. Get back to the value you bring to the table. What is it that they need and try and, you know. And I think it. there's two things on that. The questions you should have prepared think again, tie it back to the value the organization wants. Yes. Not necessarily the value you want. And again, from our experience, if the first question you ask is about your flexible work policy or how much extra time you get off, all the other person is hearing is 
I want, me? I want, I want, what about I me? want. Yeah. And ah. they're sitting there going, oh, I thought you'd be interested. I love my organization. I'm amped about the future of what we're working on. You don't seem to care about it at all. So yeah, you no. immediately get offside. Yeah, I love it. Um, but the other thing I was thinking in that prep around the questions is um, Steve York was talking a lot about if you can control the things you can control is sometimes finding out the type of questions you'll be asked in advance some organizations now actually share the questions because again they're not trying to hire the best on the spot thinker they're trying to hire the best person for the job but if they don't share that like it's perfectly worth asking during the interview process hey um what kind of questions do you think you're going to ask what's this interview contain as much information as you can get in advance great but there are also some fairly standard questions the old what happened when's one time you made a mistake when's one time something Mm. went wrong have those nailed but not super polished like you don't want to go in and recite your speech on it you want to go in real human who you are um but actually have them prepared because there's nothing worse than turning up and being like i've never made a mistake because you sound arrogant but also you sound unprepared okay good i love it well that's um i mean i'm loving our three c's i'm hopefully people are taking a lot out from this what um now we at parasuit always we like tiny habits and small actions to make big change and um you know you'll find that a lot in our newsletter if people were to take away a small action today nat for being a better at negotiating their pay which is ultimately the value bring you to your table what is an action that they can do can I actually flip that back at you just to start? Because yeah. I, I want to finish on that action, but I thought it might be kind of interesting to share what's your next negotiation. Uh, negotiation, Because I think one of the things when we go to that final tip is that we actually practice negotiation in every part of our life yes. all the time, from who does the dishes tonight to who's organizing the friend's dinner. Um, and I think it's kind of worth thinking, what is the next negotiation we're going into individually? Yes. And then how might we apply that tip when we kind of finish on it? Okay, well... Um, I don't know if we want to do the tip first then. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I have got uh, teenagers, so your life effectively is a negotiation. I feel like I live with two terrorists. <laughs> and I'm the hostage so my life feels like we're constantly navigating you know what time we're picking so and so up from a party or you know is there a limit on drinks and so my life at this point feels like I am honing these negotiating skills and I'm trying to think there's probably some weekend away with friends or something that's coming up that I'm gonna have to you know negotiate with my daughter or whatever that looks like so that that's probably how will I go into that I think armed with all the facts understanding my boundaries and then she'll have to be selling to me the value of her going away I mean I don't know this isn't very relevant to career sorry but this is like that's probably not genuinely my next negotiation yeah it's funny eh? I was thinking I was trying to think because I am probably on the flip side that I'm going through a stage at the moment where I'm getting way too much handed to me and I'm like oh that person's gonna start negotiating a bit like could you please lift a finger around the house instead of glaring at your laptop the whole time but I think on the work front one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot more is what we talked about at the start is Mm. there's so many podcasts so many talks so many things how am I going to next approach um, and, and and maybe practice a different way of asking for what I want mm, out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, and to your point, it doesn't just have to be pay. The last time I um, got invited to speak in Auckland, I sucked it up and asked if it was possible 
to pay for the flights and it was amazing that they hadn't thought about it at all. Yeah, right. Um, and so next time I think I'm going to try going a little bit further and be like, because I know that a lot of influencers now have um, recognized the value of their time to the point that they have a rate card. So I'm just really interested to find out. And I know you are out. an influencer, Nat. So you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm desperate to be an influencer. Hashtag <laughs> like and follow. You go. Okay. <laughs> Every social event in my life now is like, how do we TikTok this? <laughs> no, I, I look, it's totally fair. I think what we're saying is we genuinely, um, generally women have gone, oh, I'm just going to chalk this up to learning. It's okay. It's fine. And it's great experience. And as to the CV, but you get into that, um, over and over and over again. If you don't ask, you don't get. So love absolutely, it. and I yeah. think in those little situations is the best time to practice. We used to talk about this a lot with money. That just becoming a millionaire is not going to make you great with money. So what can you put in place when you don't have so much money that's going to take you through? And I think yeah. it's like, what are the negotiations in your life that don't have a lot on the table? The ones that there's really little downside if you buck it up practice in those times and I think the final tip if you don't have one coming up or if you do have a um, negotiation a pay rise negotiation or a new job a negotiation coming up role play it with your friends role play it with a trusted person yes Yes. and actually go through because that goes back to that control thing of being able to and confidence and confidence yes and you'll find they will point out so many things I did an exercise once where there was a third person just watching and so they weren't even involved so they could go oh, when you did this, you actually came across a bit defensive or, oh, did you see that you like leaned back and it kind of felt like you, and they can just really help you. So you're going in with that um, extra. But anyway, to the final action, because I I agree, we do love an action. Mm. And I think the obvious one just coming out of this talk is get those, get those superpowers listed, actually sit down. And one of the things that blew my mind last year, I did some leadership coaching And for the first time, I actually set aside an hour a week to sort myself out, (laughs) like not to do chores, not to plan anything, but to actually invest it in my leadership skills. And I think this is something that all of us should do. Start with 15 minutes, start with half an hour, block it out in your calendar. And that could be one of the first activities. It might take you a couple of days to sit down and go... Okay, what are the things that I think I'm great at? The next step, maybe talking to your friends and going, do you agree? Or asking them, yes. asking your workmates. Yes. What, what would you do to well, get them? Well, the online thing is what I did. I genuinely, I think I did this weird, um, I, I can't remember if it was like a skills thing or it was some vocational thing where you go on and figure out your strengths. I know there's all those um, different type of like personality tests and stuff, um, isn't it? So it was, it was really just... Um, reading that assessment I think I did this little thing and kind of oh yeah I self-identify with that I wrote reached out to two ex-colleagues who um, helped you know me figure that out and then I thought about things that I really love doing now just the only caveat here is once you've got your superpowers make sure that they're moving the needle like you're using them and they're important to the business. They're strategic. That's that real difference between like, I'm really good at organizing things to like, is that is that what this or this company needs? Is it what they value? Because that, you know, you want to tie those really superpowers to being strategic. So I know I've stretched our action a little bit, but start no, with the No, I, I like that. And yep. so if we go, if we break it down, because there's another side to that as well. If we go list them down. Yeah. Google personality test, Google how do I identify my superpowers. Second thing, ask colleagues, ex-colleagues, ex-bosses, family, friends. Um, One exercise I did um, years ago, which I thought was fascinating, is 
we had a group of 10 people at a course and everyone at the end of the course had to write a letter to each other, which felt like at the start, I was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? It was fascinating that the strengths other people saw in each other were actually quite shocking to each of us. So asking other people for their, not your weaknesses, no one cares about your weaknesses, start with your strengths and ask them what they see. And you might be really surprised. And then the third thing is once you've got that whole list, look at it. And go, how do I apply this to organizations? Or just, just I would say just make sure that they are, in fact, the superpowers. Because it could be a strength, but the superpower is actually you are using something you are good at to drive that thing forward, that company forward, to move the needle. Absolutely. Sure and then I would that. say the final, final thing is do you love doing it? Because yes. this is something that, again, women fall into the trap of a lot is... We're known to be great at organizing. So everyone will be like, but you're so great at it. If you don't love organizing, don't do it. Donate it to your superpower list. Love it. You can have it, again, secondary list. If you need to whip it out in an interview, go wild. But don't don't have that as your skill that you sell. Amazing. Onward, um, Power Suitors. That's amazing. Special thanks to some of the experts we spoke to, Steve York and StuVanRig.com. Amazing stuff. Thanks to all. That was fun. First one. That was fun. We Onward. got it done. Send us your thoughts. Just write us an email. We love hearing from people. Write us an email. Slide into our DMs. We'd love to hear what you think and any tips you have on negotiating. That'd be amazing.